Welcome to Off the Rip with your hosts that front like they know the most. We talking smack about whoever, whatever is currently on our minds. We ain't no experts, so don't get hurt if we say something that rubs you the wrong way. This is a place where ideas get thrown out and tossed around. If you can't take the heat, get up out the kitchen. We about to serve them up. It's Reem D, Mook, and Shiz. It's Off the Rip. Nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. I can't stay comfortable to comment. Yo, yo, we back, we back, we back. What's up? It's a special one today, episode 550. You know, we got it going on. Yep, 50. Been doing this. Damn, man. For some time now. Ain't that, ain't that what's up? Ain't that what's up? Five anyways, zero. Yeah, how we doing today, fellas? How's it going, Shiz? Pretty good, man. Uh, in the home stretch right now for grad school. Um, Last day of classes or this thursday so looking forward to uh having somewhat of a life back not not writing any papers um no more late nights you know my hair falling out forehead pushed back but you know that's already happening you know what i'm saying oh, so we that grad school? Oh, yeah that's okay. what we're, that's what we're doing yeah um but yeah man really excited to just be done man that's what's up man what are you getting uh what are you getting your credentials in? What are you getting your degree in? Yeah, getting my MBA uh, with a focus in human resource management. So um, I know that was something that I talked about on the pa- on the pod um, on earlier episodes, but just to have a vision, see it through, going through the process, and, you know, to finally be here, um, just kind of crazy. So Yeah, man, think about that, man. We are episode 50. You a week away from getting your uh your degree, your master's degree. You know, just it's a big deal. Putting your head down and seeing it through, like you said, man. That's that's pretty crazy. That's real. Take a moment to soak that in, man. How's that feel? It's up. It's up, bro. It's fucking up. It's up, it's up and, and it's stuck. stuck. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Whoa, party going on this. Get the party. Oh, don't, yeah. don't get restarted. Yeah, don't Let's get, get it. Train started. Hey, you see how to throw Rima Alley? <laughs> thank you, thank you. You kicking the rim, man. What's up, Rima? How you been? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Um, me and Marissa just had uh on the on the ninth it was the anniversary of my proposal date so we just had our Ooh. we've been engaged for two years now <laughs> just just enjoying that still working working on getting years? that wedding going yeah it's been two years it's crazy right oh shit wow. i just looked at it and now yeah. that i'm saying it out loud i'm like wow wow yeah yo you know what years, i remember so. that day actually because i remember i popped up on this dude because i think <laughs> i was um making my rounds to give guys um I was asking you to be my groomsman. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, was really that right around the time. Day. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yep. And he was acting yeah, crazy, hella right? weird. Marissa was like, "Yo, you want to stay for dinner?" I was like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> you know, I got to make my rounds and stuff." Then I ended up going to yeah, D's like, house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I ended up going to D's house. I checked. No, she sent me a snap. And she had a ring. I said, no yep. fucking way. Yeah, because I didn't even I don't I don't even think I said anything to you, you uh, when you were there. Cause I was just yeah. like, yeah, I was so nervous that day. So yeah. yeah, man. So it's been two years now. So uh we uh crazy thing is we didn't even do anything for it. Like we both just forgot the day. Like it's <laughs> wild. But we've been we've been pretty busy with work and school and and uh you know the holidays get with with family and traveling. So 
I think we'll probably do something today. But yeah, two years. So we uh we uh just gonna celebrate. But other than that, man, things are things are going well. I'm taking care of myself. Life is uh can't complain. So I'm I'm doing well. Nice. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Now we can kick it to Mook. What's going on, Mook? And Mook, Mook, Mook just is fulfilling the oh, daddy duties, daddy duties to the fullest. You also experienced a milestone recently as well with your family, right? Yeah, Zoe is officially a year old now. So yeah. it is fucking crazy. Like, ain't no way she's actually a year old now. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 really dope. Um. I know it sounds like cheesy and shit, but like it's really cool to see like the growth in her, like on every day, like you know every milestone and stuff like that. You remember when you, you know, I remember when I held her for the first time, and now she's running around and she's trying to talk and communicate with everybody. So it's the the whole process is just an amazing process, just to see how you know the little steps that she takes. That's what's up, man. That's. That's beautiful, man. Life's beautiful. That's, that's, man, we're getting old, man. That's how I feel. We're getting old. Yeah, yeah. Don't say that. Y'all, y'all are getting old. I'm getting young, man. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let me that. ask you something. Do you, do you grunt when you get up from sitting down? Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tell all sign right there. <laughs> You know, it's a struggle. You got to get that momentum. You got to like rock back and forth right. just to get up. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> Physics, man. Yeah, man. You really got to start thinking smarter, not harder, you know, for real. Uh, exactly. Man, that's a fact. How you doing, D? Man, I'm getting my ass kicked right now by this. Uh, I got the COVID, the COVID booster and the flu shot at the same time. Mm. I don't advise that. I don't, any, I don't advise anybody to do that. Ever why, why don't you do that? I was just, I was at the doc's office and like, yeah, we got the flu shot and COVID shot. You want to do it? I was like, yeah, fuck it. Just get it out the way. Get which out, uh, which booster is that for you? That's the third one for me, I think. Mm. Third booster? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Well, sorry, Kyrie. Oh, well, do they require the, that's 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 oh a low God. blow. That's a low blow. <laughs> do they require the booster at, at your at your employer? Uh, they, they still apply, need you to they, get boosted? They, they require everybody that's in person to be vaccinated and yeah. got the first booster. To get the food, the first booster, but not yeah. the additional ones. Yeah, since. nothing additional. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Wait, this fully fully vaccinated actually, is to be to have to be up to date with your booster shots too, right? Or is it just no, to have no. the first? Okay, just the right. first. Gotcha. Um, Y'all think that's uh, odd at all? Not to get on a tangent, but that like. You had the first two shots that you had to get, or the Johnson Johnson, I guess. Then you needed the first booster. Oh, I didn't get the I'm saying the Johnson Johnson was just one shot. I mean, yeah, I just yeah. mean that it was just one shot instead of two. Yeah. But um, and then you had to get at least one booster. And then it seems like most employers haven't required any further boosters after the first one. Yeah, yeah I mean, I feel like everybody who got it went and got it at that time, and everybody else mm-hmm. who didn't get it wasn't gonna get it. Yeah, so that has natural immunity at this point. Yeah, well, I think it affected the workflow. Mm, I think uh, it affected the economy. And mm. so people were like, we need to get people working. We need to get the get people, them back in. We need yeah. to get the cash flow going. <laughs> so we have to give up some ground um, mm. on our stance on this. 
Yeah, and I think even oh, I was gonna say even at the college, the community college I work at, that was a big thing. Was you have to be fully vaccinated to be in person. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of students. Enrollment's down fifty percent. Mm-hmm. And the big thing with that is um, having to be fully vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think even just like our our protocols now do. So if you get COVID. If you're not experiencing any symptoms, technically you could still go into the school space. You just need to wear a mask versus before, right? Like if you had COVID, no matter what, you were (laughs) quarantined for at least two weeks. But now they're like, okay, if you have COVID, if you're not, and and that's the thing too, the the loopholes within that, right? So if I get COVID, if I'm having a conversation with somebody like, yo, are you experiencing any symptoms? And then I'm like, yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying or mm-hmm. oh yeah i think i got this little head code then it's just like all right well you need to quarantine for five days versus so i think it's just the the honesty piece too with that like mm-hmm. okay am i really trying to take this week off and not do anything um but yeah i've noticed recently too because we i think we had a uptake in covid cases um at at our um at our company and it was just like well yeah you know we're aligning with the cdc protocols and they're actually starting to last things so at mm-hmm. the end of the day it's just it's just a fucking business bro like you yeah similar to what d said you're looking at those those charts and it's like oh we're starting to lose money so uh <laughs> let's mm-hmm. figure it's out where it's to work <laughs> yeah yeah the hospital went back and forth for a little bit as to laxing the masking rules and then enforcing them again when numbers went back up um and then they've kind of somewhat come down again but uh i don't know if it's going to change with flu season coming up in the winter and everything too so we'll have to see right but it's also weird too because i know um kai just had his six month appointment and he just got his first uh covid shot um but even going into that process, remember when we had to have like a specific face mask? Um, yeah. Mm. I forget the I forget the name of it, but like we went the in. And they were, the the N- yeah, 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 yeah. The something. N95. And then, you know, going into the hospital, they give you those little cheap ass blue ones. And I'm like, yeah, what are we doing here? But yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I had a patient um, real quick. I had a patient kind of like go off on me um, because of how like ridiculous the hospital's masking policy is basically speaking to that. And the fact that no one wears the masks correctly in the hospital in the first place mm. and the way that we wear it, it's contaminated almost instantly because we're touching it constantly with our hands without gloves. And we're so like, she was just like, if they really wanted to do masking the correct way, you'd have to use like hundreds of masks, you know, throughout a day for each person because of how how much we touch things and so she was just like kind of poking holes at at the policies around it but like you're right like the masking policies are like they do they do help to some degree but they're not perfect by any means because of just how uh we use them and how they almost instantly are not sterile anymore because of just the constant touching and readjusting and coming down from the nose and mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it's kind of funny you say that she she was not happy about the, the hospital standards yeah because i remember the receptionist she was like yeah she said uh if you could just take this this blue mask face mask i'm like 
I got I definitely have like N95 because, you know, like working in the schools and stuff. And she was like, no, like yeah. this is the requirement. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. Like, to me, that that didn't make sense. I'm like this little flimsy ass face face mask. <laughs> um, but yeah. Mm. Yep. So what we got on the dock? I got a, a conversation we can kind of continue from a little bit from last week, but slightly different. Um, you know, still kind of talking about work life, but also uh, um, maybe kind of weaving in uh, how we navigate our own identities. But basically to kind of give some background and shout out to my supervisor, because he's been uh, incredibly helpful in kind of helping me to process through some of this stuff at work. And, you know, obviously it pans into my my own life, too. But we've kind of thought about how you you navigate um, your own identity when you're coming in contact with, um, you know, people from, you know, vast different experiences and, and walks of life, um, especially in the workforce. And so to kind of give a little more detail, thinking about like, what are the times when you actually like will disclose personal things about yourself to help build rapport or connection with your coworkers or with your students? Or when do you just use, you know, um, experience and, um, you know, education to kind of help promote learning and promote growth in somebody without having to disclose, oh, I went through this, this is how you should do it. Like, you know, how do you kind of balance out you know, your identity and what you've gone through versus what your your client or what your student or what your coworker actually needs. And we've had some some conversations um, about it because I, I found it to be tough, you know, doing, doing therapy with kids and adults. Um, how often do I like disclose my own experiences as a, a black male of color? And also just my other identities as an athlete, as a, a gamer, as a partner, you know, how often do I use those identities versus just using my education and my, um, you know, experience to help guide somebody to, you know, get through their problem or deal with it. And so I'm curious in your guys' work, like, do you guys find yourself using your own identities and your own experiences to kind of help others? Or like, how do you find, how do you draw the line between self-disclosure and then just, uh, um, using other methods to try and support colleagues or or students you work with. Uh, me personally, I feel like it. I think it's kind of depending on the relationship you have with with that person and stuff. Um, I feel like I can speak for 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 Mr. Powell and and Mr. Payton in this situation. Um, in terms of, it's all depending on relationships you have with with particular with particular scholars where it's like some scholars you feel closer to because some scholars might remind you of yourself when you were that age. So you might bring it to an experience that you had at their age, like, yo, because you might see some of yourself in that person. And sometimes I feel like it does kind of, you know, in, in that respect, it does kind of, um, you're using that as a tool to kind of, to navigate through that specific, um, through their whatever they're specifically going through, so I guess I think it all depends on the relationship you have with that person. I think that's the the, the best way to to describe that. But I it is tough sometimes because it's like you don't you don't really don't know how how somebody might perceive it. Obviously, there's there's always a line that has to be drawn. But you know, maybe sometimes it's like you know you might tell if you're like listen, like when I was in your 
you know, your shoes and stuff like that. Like I was struggling in, in X, Y, and Z. And like, this is, you know, what I did, like not telling them, you know, this is how to get through it, but how you navigated and maybe they can use that as, as a way that they can navigate for themselves. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point, Mook. Um, in my experience too, I think it's one, ultimately, you know, knowing your personnel in terms of, you know, going to a, a school like O'Brien, where I worked at for a couple of years, I've seen a lot of myself and, and most of my scholars, um, you know, for example, the kid who is cracking jokes and stuff, I'm like, oh, that was definitely me, right? And over time, uh, we had this thing where we, you know, meet our scholars halfway. And that's like finding the fine line between you know, ways in which we can connect with them. So in certain instances, you know, I might come into school with, you know, some Jordans and stuff, because that's the first thing that, you know, might catch the eye of a, of a scholar, like, yo, Mr. Powell got on the new shoes, and then that sparks a conversation. Um, and then, you know, that ultimately over time builds over, you know, sports and things of that nature, and it's it's small talk. And then when we get into the group setting, it's, you know, really just finding that fine line between, um, you know, disclosing certain things in terms of some a little what Michael said around, you know, academics. I was I was an average high school student. I could talk about that experience, right? I could talk about, you know, the experiences of, you know, playing on a collegiate level and not really feeling passionate about a sport, but then that ultimately, you know, led to, you know, this work of, you know, wanting to give back to, you know, the younger generation. Um, so I think for me, it's it's definitely finding that that fine line of um you know, self-disclosing certain experiences that I've went through, but then also recognizing some of my own like unearned privileges, right? Growing up in a two-parent household, knowing that a lot of my scholars um, have single parents or are in, you know, a part of, you know, the, the what is it? The DYS or DCF system. DCF. You know what I'm yeah. DCF, right. Uh, DYS is the, uh, what is that? That's the um, juvenile correctional yeah they're, they're not locked so. up yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um but just being able to recognize some of my unearned privileges um but also not letting that hinder um my ability to 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 create relationships with um those scholars i think if we we come into situations like that at least knowing that um i think that definitely goes a long way um in terms of owning who we are um owning some of those privileges, but then ultimately uh, find ways to connect with them. Not sure if that answers your question, but. No, definitely. I think that for both of you guys, I think that's really uh, kind of insightful. You know, it sounds like the relationship is a huge piece for it. Yeah. I'm going to take it left as I always do sometimes. Because um, when working with a, uh, the communities and the demographics that we all work with. Again, it's a highly vulnerable population that has experienced a lot of trauma. And as we all just said, a lot of the students or a lot of the people, a lot of the adults that we work with who look like us, come from our backgrounds, similar backgrounds, have had similar experiences. We can, or I can, I'll speak in the same, I can, I can get into a mode where I start to have expectations for the mm -hmm. people I'm working with. In the sense, like I'm working with a student, I'm like, well, 
the student is so much like me, like, then I get into the mode of where I don't want him to make the same mistakes that I made per se. Or if he does make the same, or if he does make mistakes, get upset because he made them when I thought that he should be going in a different direction, which then affects our relationship. Me as a, me as the counselor or the youth specialist or the mm -hmm. coach in their life versus uh, me being their friend or whatever, or mentor you know there's different different hats that that need to be worn and uh, boundaries that need to be set because then there's positive and negative transference that can happen or um, projection that can happen and uh kareem could probably speak a little bit more clinically to what positive transference and negative transference is what what those are uh, when you talk about psychology but basically and you can correct me if i'm wrong it's like when you put feelings either negative or positive onto the to the clinician um, or, or the patient and uh, you start to take that on and um, I've, I've experienced that I've also experienced that on the end of like supervisors who projected onto me mm. um, their relationships or their their trauma um, from whatever experiences that they've had uh, for example just throwing one out there a supervisor might have an issue with their son and I'm the same age as their son. And then because of whatever they're going through with their son, they see me similar to that. And now they're trying to treat me in a sense, or they're taking out whatever they could, whatever they can't take out with, with their child is getting taken out on me. Um, and I'm getting addressed to it a certain way. Um, so it always goes back to me, like hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, working with the groups that we work with is so, unfortunately, it's so easy to drop into the cycle of oppression and repeat past behaviors, um, that aren't positive and there's no breaking of the cycle. There's no breaking of the chain. Um, uh, sometimes it feels like, oh, because I went through it, you got to go through it too, versus I went through it. So you don't have to go through it. Um. And then I don't mean to speak so negatively. There's definitely some some positive things that come out from working with um working in our community. That's why I do it. That's why we all do it. I'm sure. Um, especially because for me, I want to be the person who I never had, you know. But that's just where where my mind went at that point. You guys spoke to the positive aspects of it, mm -hmm. so I just went to the other side of to do the flip side. Well, I don't even know if that was the negative side that you went to. I think it's just a different perspective and a different experience of it. I, I, like the positive and negative is all just how you, you look at it, right? Um, you can take those experiences and learn from them and make them positives. Um, so I don't think those are necessarily negative um, innately. I, it's interesting, as you guys were saying, um, I feel like one thing that kind of came up was just like the idea of like being that mentor or teacher or support. And I feel like with that, sometimes comes the like unwanted uh, hat of being like all knowing and kind of knowing the answers for your kids or as a supervisor, she is like knowing the answers for your staff. Like, you know, I have this kid that's struggling with, you know, with this, 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 what should I do? Uh, I mean, you kind of talk through it, I would assume, but like, mm -hmm. I think that's something that we all probably get is, you know, those questions. And I think that's where like what you guys are saying is really important, like how you navigate those, those responses and whether you, uh, 
you know, take into account certain aspects to kind of give them that that answer. But I, I think uh, it, that can be a tough thing as well, you know, just trying to figure out um, and set your role to kind of recognize that you, you don't know all the answers, but you're trying to help them get to where they're trying to be. And for each student, that's going to be different. For each colleague, that's going to be different. Um, so I, I'm glad you guys kind of bring that up too. And something else that, that makes me think about Kareem too is working or collaborating with the other departments to the other offices or the other teachers around you in advocacy of the students that we're working with. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, that's the triggering space that I get into, or that's the space that I get into where I get really triggered when I hear how other people are talking about the students or the people that I'm working with. And I hear them repeating some of the same things that I've experienced that I know are uh, symptoms of systematic and institutional uh, racism and oppression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, I don't, and, I, Oh yeah, I was just gonna give a quick example and go yeah. ahead and move. But for example, uh, we are doing a we had to do a narrative report on my job to provide what we what we've been up to to, to give to the state, which gives us the funds. Um, in that narrative report, it was thought, hey, let's get some student voices. And I said at that point, I was like, hey, well, what are we gonna do for the students who were gonna capture their voices? What are we gonna do for them in return? And auto, instantly, instantly, before I could even finish the rest of my sentence, it was, we're not giving them any money. We can't give them anything. They're just going to do it for the look. They, they're going to do that because this looks great for them. And for me, I'm like, so now you're just going to parade these black and brown students out in front of all these, in front of all these people when it's time for you to look good. See, but and that's, you don't that's get, the, but you, yeah, you're not going to get their voices. Mm. when you just need to capture their voices you're not going to listen to them just to see what they're experiencing you want to get the voices and only the voices are the ones who you think are going to look good and make you look good and then you don't want to compensate them for anything so not only are these uh black mm. people and brown students um black and brown students marginalized in this community and underserviced and underprovided for and underprivileged and you're not doing any you're not doing everything in your control to adjust that now you want to parade them out to say, hey, look at what we are doing, even though you're not doing that. And now you want to double, make them relive their experience, talk about their experience and not compensate them at all. Just say, hey, this is going to look good on your resume. And, and I think and that's- last, last part, my bad, is that you could. they immediately jumped to monetary. They said, we're not giving them any money. And my, my response to them was, why did you think it was money? How come you couldn't even, a, a letter from the provost, a letter from the president could be enough mm -hmm. recognizing what they've done? You know, comp their meal, give them some money to the books, give them something from the bookstore. Like it doesn't have to be cash. And I don't know why it just went to that. But go ahead. And, and, and for me, that's what I'm trying to wrap my mind around now in terms of um, I know we're doing the work. I know that there's the, you know, the aspect that, you know, our scholars being a part of our program, it's 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 allowing them to develop you know certain social developmental skills right and you know we're having the right people in those spaces to facilitate that right but at the end of the day and being in you know that leadership position now on flip side of you know the different stakeholders the different donors aspect piece and that's oftentimes triggering for me because it's it's creating a narrative selling the program uh to essentially raise more money right for for us to still have a job for us to still have the salary piece but that's the more triggering piece for me is where you know a rich donor comes in a philanthropist or you know someone looking to donate money 
and now we we get into you know these performative um situations right and that to me that's that's the tap dancing aspect of of nonprofits and and something that i i oftentimes have a hard time of of getting my head around right creating these narratives or as you said you know continuing to have you know our our scholars or you know the students that we serve continue to to bring up certain narratives um that make the program look better but then also have them relive certain traumas um and that's something that doesn't sit right with me right um bringing a uh you know a white person in to hear these these soft stories and, and that's something that to be honest with you not a lot of our scholars go through on a day-to-day basis right um, I think there's a small percentage of scholars that we deal with that are tier tier two, tier three, um, but in the most cases, um, yeah, that's that's something that triggers me and continues to trip me up to this day. And and and, and D knows, and I think Mike uh, sees that. Uh, it's starting to see that, but just the just the the tap dance is is something that I just can't get behind. But I know that's just the the ugly part of the business, right? Um, so. I, and I want to, I want to, I want to piggyback off that too, because I was like, I'm seeing it from a, a, a different perspective, where it's just kind of like in our schools, all of our, I want to say specifically for our our black and brown students. Now it happens on the other side too, but it's uh, specifically our black and brown students. Sometimes I don't know if some of the staff member in our school understand the needs of some of the 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 kids here, and they just assume that BAM is like a quick fix for them. So like if a if a scholar just kind of like maybe has maybe has emotional issues and things like that, they just assume oh he's going to go to BAM and we're just going to be able to fix him right away, and they don't understand the process that goes into rehab not even rehabilitating, but just to kind of get a kid to connect with his emotions. And it can't just be one time a week. It's got to be something that you've got to be supportive of this young man. You can't just be like, oh, he's being disruptive in class. Let me get rid of him just so I can get rid of the problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't be something where it's just like, just get rid of him and we'll deal with him tomorrow. Hopefully he's better. Like, that's what that's what I feel like sometimes that, that we're looked at in the school. And obviously, you know, we you know, that, that's, that's our role. We're supposed to be connecting with these young men, you know, connecting their, 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 their emotions and everything like that. But, but sometimes I feel that some of the staff, and it's not all the staff, and a lot of the staff do mean well by it, but you can tell when sometimes when somebody may approach you about them, they want a quick fix for a scholar and not the, the ultimate goal of having him understand why he might be frustrated, understand why you know, okay, like, this is how we have to get through certain things. They just want him, okay, because he's disruptive, I can get him out of class for a little bit. And I'm thinking, Mook, that's probably got to be disruptive to what you guys are trying to do if you have a program and a system that takes a series of meetings and conversations and interactions, and you have this teacher that's like, why isn't this student doing better? Why isn't this working now? Why are they still Mm -hmm. acting out like that? That that seems like that would really disrupt the the process of what you guys do, which is such important work. And it's it, it's shitty that the staff around you guys don't understand what you guys are doing, or, or yeah. don't understand that the time that it takes to actually build those relationships and make positive change for for anybody really, but especially young kids. 
Yeah, like I started in the, the end of September and didn't really even get acclimated into interacting with the scallops till about three weeks ago. But they expect like instant gratification. They expect it just because they signed up for BAM, he should be better by tomorrow. Like he's mm-hmm. he's going to be a stand-up scholar by tomorrow. Like it's a process. Like I haven't even really connected with these scholars enough that some of them, I don't even know if they're even comfortable with me yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we might say like, okay, like they may say what's up to me in the hall and stuff like that. But that scholar is not open up to me about what's going on at home. I'm still getting, like for a lot of my scholars, I'm still getting pieces of the puzzle to try to understand who they are as people because I don't want to, I don't want it to be a, a situation where it's like they're giving me all this information about this scholar and now he comes up and talks to me and I'm like, oh yeah, I already knew that already. Somebody had told me like, I don't want it to be one of those kind of relationships where it's like, I know your background and I'm making an assumption off of you just based off of what I've already heard because mm-hmm. that's not how an authentic relationship works. I want you to trust me. Like, this is what we go- talk to. Like, you know, what, what do you want to disclose to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I want them to feel comfortable disclosing stuff to me. And that's how I disclose stuff to them. Like, it wanted to be a 50-50. I don't want to know all this information so that I already have a, a misconception about this kid before I've ever really had a chance to find out what's going on with this kid, you know? And like Mr. Paul said, like, not all these kids have these situations going on. But like everybody just assumes like, oh, these are inner city kids. Like they all have the same story. Like, you know, maybe their dad's not there. Maybe their mom's not there. You know, maybe they have a member of their family in jail. Maybe they have a member of their family in drugs. You know, maybe they're homeless. Like, I don't want that to be that person. I don't want, obviously that's a part of who they are, but I don't want that to be the perception that I have of this person. I want to get to know that person for who that person is. You ever go into some of these inner city schools? Like the first time I walked into one of these schools, I was like, oh, shit. Like the teachers don't match the demographic of the or the population Absolutely. of the school. Absolutely. That's you know why what I'm saying. So for, for, and for me, my fault, uh, Mike, I mean, to cut you off, but no, you're good. just that, you know, one, similar to what uh, D said, just being in certain situations with teachers where, you get triggered because there are some of those like unbiased uh, perceptions of, of of the students that they're interacting with, you know, or it could implicit just be bias. implicit bias. Okay, my bad, implicit bias, but just like just the the lack of cultural competency is just like pouring out in some of these situations, right? And that's a triggering piece because it's like wow. You... Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, but but it's just it's just crazy just being in some of those situations where um yeah teachers don't match the demographic but then ultimately you have you know deans or you know people who are or vendors that look like us that are coming in doing the job and then they're as mike mentioned expecting a quick turnaround and then it's just like if you align it to a lesson if you're a teacher who's teaching a new lesson that student's not going to get it in like one or two classes right like it's it's going to take an entire semester for me to get the hang of it and then there's going to be a final and then still if I don't get it there's there's that extra help period you know what I'm saying versus with someone like Michael who's meeting with you once a week um to work on his social emotional well-being but then that 
scholar could have, um, you know, a hard time opening up to people, but then also recognizing that Michael isn't a teacher. He is, he's there to support you. He's, he's wearing several hats. He's your friend. He's your mentor. He's someone who's going to go to bat for you in certain situations. So even unraveling that is going to take a long time. And it gets me triggered when, when teachers are like, well, he's in BAM. Like, what is he, what is he doing? Like, what are you guys doing in there? It's like, what the fuck is he doing in your classroom right now? Like he's struggling. What do you, you know what I'm saying? So it's just. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder, like, I wonder if you guys see this because I I definitely um, see this a lot in in my work where I'll have different like collaterals or agencies I'm speaking with regarding a family. And they'll kind of ask what's going on with this family or what's happening here, what's happening here. Stuff that's not relevant to the release of why I'm speaking to them in the first place. It's like we might talk because of their medical care and we're mm-hmm. only talking about their medical care, but they're like, well, what's going on here? What's going on here? And it's like, no, that, that's not appropriate for me to talk about that. Like, that's not right. what this release is for. I wonder if you guys have uh, teachers or people that are kind of asking about uh, kids' personal backgrounds or stuff that's not really, maybe they could get that, maybe they could have a conversation with the child or family at some point, but it's not appropriate for them to ask you guys for that information. Well, yeah. on the flip side of that too is, that I've had conversations with with other agencies, departments, offices, who've, who've said there's no excuse for why the student isn't isn't engaging, and I get triggered by that word excuse, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's not an excuse; it's an obstacle and it's a barrier, and again, a symptom of a broken system that is set up for the student to fail, for this person to fail, for your client to fail. So when people ask questions like that, Kareem, or when people say, well, what are their excuses? There shouldn't be any excuses. To me, it's like, then you already, you already, I, sh- I don't even want to finish the conversation with you because you already made your judgment. Mm. The you way they understand. word that question, you can yes. tell that they're not coming from a place of wanting to understand. They're coming yes. from a place of placing blame. And uh, yeah, yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. And, and, and you got to understand and we got to acknowledge mm. these very real symptoms. Um, that are happening that are bare again these are bare we were just talking about the COVID vaccination that's a real barrier for the communities that we work with Mm -hmm. that's a real thing that people have to deal with um that affects whether that affects their income affects whether they can go to school and um affects whether they can work and all that stuff it's to say well what's their excuse why aren't they getting it done it's like all right well (laughs) you're not even acknowledging everything that's going on so you're disillusioned it always goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs for me. You know, it's like we have to figure out the bottom line first. We have to figure out are they safe? Do they have shelter? Do they have food? You know what I'm saying? Like, is that what's going on? Because until we can figure out that stuff, until we can figure out the safety part, how can we figure out whether they want to be in school? How can we figure out whether they want to go to class? And then mm. how can we figure out whether they are retaining the information if they're not even uh, have those first two steps below? And then how do we figure out whether they even have goals and aspirations of going further than what they see them going further than what they are or what they know if they can't even do the bottom three steps. Yeah. So it's like if people talk, come to me with that attitude or that, or those notions, um, it's really disheartening and discouraging. And that's where I have to get to that point. And I'm working on this every day to not project, right? To not immediately go into battle mode and 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 turn off and 
dismiss those people because I need those people, unfortunately. I need those people. Mm. I need to work with those people in order to serve the people who I work with. So I have to figure out how I can cordially and politely, while also sternly, get my point across on why I disagree with them and why I think they need to change their belief. And sometimes it works. Sometimes I don't get a response. Sometimes I get a, oh, thank you. That was kind. Thank you for your words. And, you know, which is kind of just putting me off to the side. But I just told myself, and we all talk about integrity. Uh, Y'all talk about integrity a lot um, over there. It's really what I can feel good about looking at myself in the mirror and how I can feel good saying, you know, I did my best when I go to sleep um, and be comfortable sleeping um, by saying, you know, I stuck up for that person. You know, that's, and when I don't, um, it eats at me. It definitely eats at me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful insight from, from everybody to kind of, uh, you know, better understand that. I think uh, one other thing I want to ask before we kind of maybe wrap up this uh, this segment, kind of go to something else. But has there ever been a time where you guys have given, let, let's say, some advice or some feedback to, uh, again, either a supervisee or a student or a colleague and it just backfired? Like it was just, it was it was bad advice. It wasn't the right time where they followed it and didn't work out. Um, that ever happened to you guys? Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely happened. Yeah, I, I spoke looks. about that yeah. earlier. <laughs> with, the student, um, with the student who I said, we were really close. Uh, the relationship definitely felt more like uh, brother to brother. Um, even though I was uh, the clinician, he was, uh, he was a student. Or I was the youth specialist and he was a student. So those boundaries are getting blurred. You know, it's like a brother relationship. So again, I start putting my expectations on that student. And the student was getting straight, got straight A's all, all freshman year. Coming to sophomore year, um, you know, I'm telling them, we're gonna do the same thing we did, uh, you know, meet with all your teachers. Uh, let's get let's get a plan in place and even give you an incentive if you get all A's. The first time we got all A's, I got them cleats for football season. So I'm like, all right, let's do the same thing. But now he's a sophomore. Now he dropped a little bit of the baby fat, got a little bit of muscle, you know, girl starts to notice. Himself. Girls start to yeah. Girls start to notice them a little bit, wearing that axe body spray a little more, you know. So Jesus. stuff stuff started. His his priorities started realigning, and because of that, he 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 um was in danger of failing some of his classes. Yeah. Um, and we had a point where I had to adjust the relationship I was having with him because I was coming down on him too hard. Like, yo, why are you doing this? What's the issue? What's going on? Instead of like Mook said, seeking understanding. Instead of asking what happened, what went wrong, and how can I support you? This is what I was what I eventually had to get to that area. At first I was I was upset, but I had to realize that's about my me, my expectations, and projecting on him what I wanted for him. Not necessarily mm-hmm. realizing what he was going through and the situation that he was experiencing at home. Um because he, he was dealing with a lot at home, you know? Mm. Um, and usually usually that's the indicator that something something's going on. But far too many times, and, and I'm, I'm experiencing this myself right now, is that if there's an undesired behavior or a behavior that's confusing or non non not the norm, mm. people come down and reprimand you instead of saying, hey, yo, what's going on? Like, let's figure this out. Um, mm. Yeah. 
um i had a situation with a supervisee um he was so we have this recruitment process where you have to you know recruit 55 scholars onto your caseload um and then you have to start to set up groups right and um he had a question because there was a group that he maybe had seven scholars and that's the minimum in which we can run groups we can't have we can't have less than that right to like efficiently run group and um he was being told by his curriculum specialist um and d you you already know who this is he's being told by his curriculum specialist um that he got the green light to run that group and i stepped in from my experience and i said hey listen honestly i would hold off on that group um i would at least have at least nine or ten because there might be a, a situation where one of those scholars can't make that group if you run seven then you can't run group you're just setting yourself up for failure so using my own experience that's what i said and that ended up backfiring considering the relationship that i have with this person um and for me that was like the clear indicator of okay at the end of the day like this is my boy we have a relationship but you know i gotta there's there's a fine line between you know you being the supervisee and me being the supervisor right so there came an email thread that came out and um he stuck to his guns he said yo i'm not gonna run this group he said that to the curriculum specialist and he said well where are you hearing this information from and then my name got brought up <laughs> he was like well you know per my supervisor um you know i i actually think this is a great idea so for me rather than collaborating with the curriculum specialist we had a situation and i was like oh shit like i i get that but he was you know it, it was a whole it was a whole situation nothing nothing as good as as what d just said but i think for me that made me like really realize like at the end of the day um i need to be more collaborative um and learning when to you know disclose certain stuff um but i i honestly to this day i still feel like um you know i was right in situations because, <laughs> because I was right. still still to this day you know i thought i was right in that situation of um because one he had to cancel that group because what i said might potentially happen ended up happening um but yeah and and i guess i have one more i have one more uh um example actually no i'll let move go i'll let move go I actually haven't had a so I don't have an example of this just yet but I feel like like I said like I was speaking when I spoke earlier about um about um you know dealing with the teachers and things like that like that's just what I've seen so far so I haven't had like I haven't been there long enough that I feel like I've had this relationship like you know like what these talking about like I feel like I'm starting to become closer with some of the scholars but it's not to a point yet where I feel like I see myself as more of, you know, like I'm seeing myself in that person. So now maybe I'm projecting on from my experiences that I'm projecting on to, to, to a scholar. So I don't have an example of that just yet. I mean, I'm sure, you know, we might be talking next week and I might have, you know, I might have an example at that point, but 
as far as right now, I don't have an example of, of, of that just yet. Uh, I'm sure it will happen. You'll you'll offer some oh, amazing advice, and then the kid will be like, "Nah, nah, Mister Downing, that shit ain't work." Well, why you tell me that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'll share real quick. I had this one kid that I was working with. Um, we were meeting for therapy for a little bit, and so we got to know each other decently well. And they, um, you know, like they had some like some minor stressors in a couple different areas, but we're like overall functionally doing all right and so we were kind of um talking through like what this person should do about it and i I really try not to give like specific things for for my patients or clients to do like i really kind of let them pick and choose like what they're going to work on and outside of meetings but we've been working together for a little bit and this kid really was struggling to come up with things to work on so like in this case I, i gave them some some things to do so we we did a task of like them saying something to their parents to kind of address some conflict there. There was a task to um, communicate to a partner about something they wanted to talk about. And there was something about, I think it was something related to like either homework or, or school or something related. So like there's three things we were going to do. And I had basically kind of helped this person to come up with these, these three things. Well, they come back to the meeting um, the the next time we meet and they're just like, yeah, it didn't work at all. So what they said to their their mom backfired and um, was like, we actually got into a bigger fight because of how I expressed this. And mom didn't understand at all. And she got really upset with me because of how I worded it. And we had practiced how to word it and everything, too. So mom was just like not hearing it. And then I guess they talked to their partner. And it, it wasn't that bad from my perspective, for, but for the person, they were like, oh man, like they definitely didn't get it. Like, I feel like we're, we're having a tough time. Like, I, I want to do this. I want to do that. So like, they were just like, that one didn't work. And the school piece, like, was just, just a no go, like still not doing my homework, still not doing it. Like whatever it was, like, it just didn't happen. So all three just strike that. And I was like, I'm just sitting there in the meeting, like, damn, <laughs> all right, I, I guess we're going to try some new things. Like, my fault. like but right yeah back to the drawing board but that's the nice thing about like like therapy is that that's kind of what it is it's like you it's Mm. just a trial and error like you practice things they might not work you go back talk through and then do something different but it it was still yeah trial and error man yeah but like we could we could laugh about it at least which was nice like the the person had a good um outlook on it and just like everything didn't work so like it, Mm. it kind of made it a little funny but but yeah, to the drawing board, you know, just trial and error, figuring stuff out until until something clicks. That's yeah. funny, man. When, when you just talked about that, and, and Rashawn also talked about, maybe think of when you are working with a student or a client, um, and you tell them very meticulously what what to say, or you not not you tell them, you come up with a strategic plan mm. together, collaborate on what for them to what what they need to say to whoever, and then they go and have that conversation. And completely throw all of that out the window once they get triggered. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You said you were gonna say this, that, and the other, but not not that way. You didn't mean right. you didn't have to say it that way. Like yeah. now you just that, cause a whole different situation. Yeah, right. that that just makes me re- that reminds me of um indeed you you remember this situation at HBCU tour. Um one of my scholars was really triggered by um actually the same person that you know I tried to collaborate with. Um he and I would say just about every other scholar were, were very triggered by this one staff member. And he, I, I got to give it up to this this young king because 
he he really took it on the chin in terms of yo um i want to be vocal about this i want to speak my truth and i'm like okay all right so what's the game plan right because you got to say it in a respectful way because at the end of the day this is an adult right this is a staff member so walk me through your game plan he had a couple of points i'm like all right king let's uh speak your truth so we get outside and all of that shit went out the window immediately and it was funny because this kid completely rashed the staff member shit like cut him up to the point where i was just sitting there with like my mouth open bro like jaw to the ground like holy shit like this is not what i wanted this is not what i wanted to be a part of and it got to the point where he was rashing this guy's shit so bad where he said you know what i'm gonna call your dad i'm gonna call your dad he's like mr powell you got anything to say i was like uh no he said said you wouldn't say that he said you want to say that to your dad which is a very strange thing for a clinician to say yeah a student because again, mm-hmm. that, that blurs boundary lines and projects onto the student. But yeah, he's like, you want to say that to your dad? You want to say that to your dad? He was like, you're not my dad. <laughs> yeah. He said, you're not my dad. He said, nobody fucks with you. The whole staff oh, doesn't man. fuck with you. The kids don't fuck with you. Your shoes are dusty. I was like, yo. Oh, he went in, huh? Yo, he cut he had, he had to get to out some things. I was like, whoa. I was like, whoa, 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 no. No, yeah, he was like everybody it. was rocking on this trip until you came. Until you came, was smooth until you showed up. <laughs> so I know my man went back to the room and cried, bro. <laughs> yeah, when you got to rely on the, you want to say that to your father? One, that's that's bad. That's that's you when you know you lost. Say. Yeah, that's yeah. like yeah. Why? If, if that's the first thing you're coming up with, you're hurt. <laughs> you're already hurt. Yeah, man. Oh, no, that's interesting. I appreciate y'all sharing that. That's that, that, that that's interesting stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, man, does anybody have any, uh, you can wrap that up there, man. Does anybody have any OTR topics, anything they want to get off, get off their chest, any updates, anything, any one takes, hot takes, cold takes? I'll just say people keep asking me about the World Cup. I'm, I'm not watching it. I haven't watched it at all, so stop asking me about it. <laughs> Sorry. Nick Saban. true true (laughs) yeah it's just it's just not interesting me this year i don't know so i watched portugal flame south was that south korea i don't even know who they played but i know they replaced ronaldo and the dude who replaced ronaldo scored three three goals i was like oh well guess that's Mm -hmm. ronaldo that's wild Mm. anybody else nothing what anybody following on? Um, I was gonna what say, who are you about you to ask say? about if anybody was following? <laughs> Hold on. Who, who are you about to ask if anybody's following? Oh, nothing, nothing spicy, nothing crazy. I saw, I saw, okay. uh, saw your eyes get a little wide there. Um, Deion Sanders. Anybody watching any of these videos that his son's put out? Just like his first couple weeks at uh Colorado. Oh no, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I really like him. Um, and I, I hope, I hope, man, he, he's just able to turn turn that organization around because it would just suck if he flops, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's tough comp. It's not. It's going to be a little different. But if somebody can recruit top talent, Dion can. So we'll we'll see how how, how he does. But yeah, it's going to be a little yeah. different for sure. In Denver, Colorado, you know what they get up to in that state. Yeah, he's <laughs> He's done a great job recruiting so far. Mm. 
Oh, wow. I do have an OTR topic actually. Oh no! Ooh, okay, okay, no, okay. No, this is this okay. Is, this, is, this is not <laughs> nothing, nothing spicy. Either. Okay. Um, I was watching Zion's dunk at the end of the game. His mm. 360 dunk that was super light, like one of the easiest 360 dunks I've ever seen. Wait, hold on. Game. Can you can you dunk? First and foremost, can you dunk on a Fisher Price? Because <laughs> you said one of the easiest. I'm like, come on, I said bro. One of the easiest dunks that I've ever seen. He got okay, the like light. the lightest, the lightest. lightest. Like he did that 360 windmill. Like I don't know, he floated up there for being a 300 pound person. That's crazy. Um, Is he still 300? He has to be. There's no way he's not. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they're reporting that he's less than that, I don't believe it. But uh, so he. He did that at the end of the game. Uh, Chris Paul, the, the spicy king, got upset. Um, the king of getting spicy when you lose, he's always losing. Got upset, and the Suns got upset. It got to a little tussle. And then um, there was another one where uh, Rudy Gobert uh, put in a little layup at the end of the game. And then we've seen this, uh, what was it, team that was playing Kansas, where the, the little white boy stole the ball and dunked the, the ball. The yeah. I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck. Yeah. So what do y'all feel about that unwritten rule about not scoring at the end of the game? Well, okay, with that so, Kansas with the Kansas situation, I think it's a little bit different because I think they were down 30. So 40. whether if he scored they were down 40. Oh, I'm sorry, whether they scored or not, like it didn't really change the I guess. Yeah, the so game. why like why why are basketball players still turning up at that? Yeah, so I'm like it's just petty. Here's my whole thing. I, so, to be honest, I, I it's, like a bat flip. it's like the bat flip in baseball. Like, let people bat flip. Like, it mm. makes the sport cooler. But go ahead, Mook. I was saying, my whole thing is, speaking on this specific matter, is I understand getting mad at, like, trying to score at the end of the game. But, like, the fan in me is, like, if it's, like, a play, like, for example, like Zion Dunk, I can't get mad at that. Like, the NBA is about entertainment. So, like, mm-hmm. that's interesting fantasy. So, I can't get mad if somebody wants to come down and do a 360 dunk to end the game. Like, that, that's, that is what it is. But, like, the Rudy Gobert layup at the end, like, I thought that was kind of corny. But then somebody posted <laughs> that. I guess they had played against earlier that year. Minnesota had – I mean, Utah did the same thing to him. So, it was pretty much payback. So, it was Utah. Did. It was Utah. Yeah. Yeah, his former team. I don't, I don't dislike Utah as much anymore. I don't know. Maybe Rudy Gobert leaving <laughs> kind of got me, caught them off my shit list. So yeah, I be, guess could be. You, you, Utah's, Utah's cool with me now. So shouts out to the Utah Jazz. But um, get- but yeah, that is that part is corny. I feel like you're trying to score at the end of the game, like the game's already over and stuff. Like why? Like what are you, what are you getting out of that? I guess I got to put myself. Yeah, (laughs) I guess I got to put myself in a situation like, would I be tight if someone laid it up or or dunked it at the end of the game? And knowing me, I probably would want to square up at the end of the game. I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep it a buck. Knowing me, I would. Depending on you know what I'm saying. Depending on the score. Knowing me, I would. I think it. I think the difference, the nuance in it is that was just the inbounds play. So, like, mm. you could have stopped it if you wanted to. You just did it. That's on you. The Kansas play, the dude stole the ball. Where it's like, all right, now you're now you're acting up. Like, there's no need for you to steal the ball. Oh, what's up, Zoe? 
But you know what I mean? The difference between stealing it or the difference between inbounding it. Maybe there's nuance there. But yeah, yeah. I'm with you, Reem. Get yeah. over it. I feel like, especially on the inbound, like somebody could have ran. Nobody was in the half court when he dunked. Like nobody tried to stop it. So is he going to just sit on half court for the rest of the time and just not score with nobody coming down? Like people, people are so backwards. They're inconsistent with that because they'll go do it. But then when it happens to them, they'll get upset. So there my, was in my so head, like, like go, go D up. If you, if you don't like it, go, go D up, go foul him, go do something to stop him. Like, don't don't want to complain that somebody scored open basket. One thirty six on you get mad at the last two points. Right, exactly, exactly. But but if somebody's sitting there trying to hold out the ball, and then like everybody's like you know like everybody's starting to dap up at the end of the game, and you're like running out there to like grab the basketball to try to steal and get a quick bullshit lead. Yeah, like that shit's corny as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, mm, he was down God. forty. Strap, it doesn't strap matter. Up, bro. That's, corny. Strap up. That's corny. I'm not gonna fight That's... nobody over it though. He was I'll down forty. Corny. I will. I will definitely call you corny. Like on the way to the locker room, like yo. I respect that man way more than than just sitting there and just like. But then he shoulder bumped somebody after. Like, don't shoulder bump me. You're down thirty. Like <laughs> he dunked yeah. on some There's dude. Nothing... No, he didn't. Nobody. Nobody he came just, in to try and to he... try and block that shit. No, nah, like, he jumped in. He was like, "I don't give a fuck." Yeah, I remember and then he, that. Like, bumped somebody <laughs> walking away. And I was like, <laughs> "I like him. I like him." They read. They re- uh tweeted that like whatever anniversary um it was, and then he commented, "I still don't give a fuck." I respect that dude. <laughs> Wherever he is right yeah. now, I respect him. Yeah, yeah. yeah NBA, so NBA, NBA tussles in general are you know they're just weak. Ooh. Unwritten rules are are yeah. weird. They're just weird. Nah, baseballs are the worst though. Yeah, you got to keep the bad. bat flip in there. If I if I hit a home run 450 feet, I'm flipping the bat every time. <laughs> I'm fucking throwing it at the pitcher. If it's a good winner, I'm just launching that shit right at him. Stupid. <laughs> you fucking dummy. I'm doing a cartwheel at home base. <laughs> doing oh, back flip like shiz. Like, I don't know if any of y'all play, like, the MLB video game. You can, like, customize your bat flip. Yeah, that shit is dope. It's dope. Like I'm, dope. I'm gonna do it every single time. Like <laughs> right. you're gonna see me bat flip. Like yeah, see it. Well, how do you guys feel about um high schoolers and um like especially some pop water like when they score touchdowns and stuff they can't celebrate. If not, that's a oh no. Nah. High schoolers be doing like especially like pee wee kids. They be doing too much. They be like yeah. grittying and like. Flexing on like kids, don't like the top why can't you gritty? Don't but that's but that shit. But what that, are, that's, 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 oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, stuff that, that, that's that they cool. say. They, they 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 go too far. Like some of the kids yeah, really yeah. be going too far for just like don't for some that. some views. Like yeah, yeah like, they're they're disrespectful with but it. But that's what they see on TV. If no, that's no, not no, what they see on TV. They don't see that on the TV. Nah, NBA players say that all the time. Oh no, no, NBA players say it all the time. I'm talking about NFL. When they tap the top of their heads in the NFL, like saying I'm off the NFL. The NFL players don't really do that oh, shit though. They that's don't do that social media. That's social media, yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing, like, social. Bro, we've seen some of the best dunks in NBA history. Did LeBron James after dunking on Jason Terry, which he probably should have? Did LeBron James tap the top of Jason Terry's head? I mean, bro. he did stand bro, over. Bro, he stood. He stood over him and he died like the craziest. That's stare fine. Down. If a yeah. kid dunks that's on somebody fine. and stares him down, yes. You can stare somebody down, but so making contact difference? with them, 
Don't yeah, don't don't touch me after you you dumped on me or mossed yeah, me or something because then we're fight because then we're fighting. No, that's that's like, straight emotion. If I stare you down, like as long as I don't make any contact with you, like I don't even like to be honest. If I get banged on, like I have to accept everything that comes with it. So if you want to like call me like little bitch or something like that, like I can't even be mad. Like bro, you did that. I can't be <laughs> mad. You got that one. I'm gonna inbound the ball. And we gonna keep it rolling. But like as soon as you touch me or something like that, like tap my head like yeah nah all bets is off like yeah, whatever nah. comes with it comes with it uh, yeah i think they're down. doing too much for for the views <laughs> yeah social media yeah people messed up man it's mm-hmm. a topic we always talk about but yeah social <laughs> media get you on a t-shirt <laughs> oh yeah no facts <laughs> tell your people where to find us both you can find us at off the rip dot podcast or off the rip underscore podcast like i always say tell a friend tell a friend tell a friend you give us a listen, and you won't be disappointed. That was episode 50, man. We out of here. Big 5 out. Louise, you out of here. Little bitch. <laughs> Where did you find this? Gangsta P- Brazil. DJ Ill Will. Charlie, I'll be We might have to. Holla at we- me. All your homies on that drug list. All the family fucked up split. All the minds cut, rugged. All that trying to 